Something new is supported by listeners like you. Visit joelbnew.com and help this podcast continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation. Hey guys, welcome to Season 4, Episode 12. Um, wow, I can't believe it. And here we are, back from Paris. Um, and just as promised, um, I've taken a couple extra days to get my American legs back up and running um, from my last week that I just spent in Paris. Oh my gosh, you guys, if you have not had a concert of your work produced in Paris, um, you should do that. It was really fun. I, I can't believe just so much happened. Uh, like a full week of rehearsals um, for uh, with this incredible cast, this incredible European cast who taught me so much. And um, it was just such a rewarding experience from beginning to end. Um, in addition to that, I got to um, see all the sights, got to see all of the, the French Parisian things. Like, sorry, I'm like chopping vegetables while I talk to you. Um, I got to see the Eiffel Tower and uh, the Louvre, the Mona Lisa, the uh, I saw Notre Dame, and I got really emotional about it. I mean, and like really, my deepest connection to Notre Dame is like Disney. Uh, so I guess that kind of makes sense that I got emotional. Um, it was beautiful. I bought so many coffee mugs. Um, so look forward to coffee mug exposure. If you see me on the Instagram or in future something new opening monologues, I'll be talking you through some of my new coffee mugs. But like, you know what? I just donated like 13 coffee mugs. So like, I, there's space. We have room. We have room on the shelves and in our hearts. Um, so while I was there, uh, I got to practice my French, which was really fun. Uh, I got to really fake how well I think I know my French. Um, most of the good people of Paris humored me, which was very nice of them. And um, and while I was there, uh, staying with the artistic director of Broadway Au Carré, who was producing the concert that happened, um, I was like, why don't I interview this guy? This is a really cool dude who performs and does everything that makes the perfect something new guest so like literally the day of the concert we sat down for like half an hour to just chew the fat and talk about the concert talk about him um really really cool dude this uh Alessandro Nassis um a huge fan and so I'm going to share that interview with you in a second and uh we'll be presenting not one but two songs today uh from the concert itself uh, we'll be doing um, a performance by Lissandro, who performed, among a couple of other songs, Better Than Fine, from my standalone song cycle, and um, which is really, really fun. And then uh, I, I premiered a song at the concert, which will be the premiere of this episode, uh, which I wrote for my, my Parisian friends uh, Jess and Lily. And it's part of the Muse Match initiative, the concert series that's based here in New York, 
and it's starting to gain some traction in um, across the pond, as they say. Um, I don't know who says that. But, uh, but I wrote a Muse Match song. It was inspired by um, a conversation that I had with those two lovely ladies. And, um, and I wrote something utterly ridiculous, and they performed it with so much heart. Um, I'm really grateful uh, that they were so on board with this silly, silly song, um, which is entitled The Ballad of the Cluck Cluck Sisters. That's all I'll tell you. Wait till the end of the episode. You will hear it. All will make sense. All, all will be revealed. Saturday, June 18th, 11.30 p.m., uh, downstairs at Feinstein's 54 Below, uh, is the next incarnation of the Muse Match series in New York. And uh, Bill Coyne, who produces this, uh, this charitable event, was kind enough to ask me to... Um, to do to do another Muse Match round, and I'm super honored and flattered to uh, to, to be doing this uh, once more. Uh, I wrote a brand new song inspired by a conversation I had with Sierra Renee, who has been on Broadway in a couple of shows. She's pretty fancy. Um, my fellow nerds might know her from the DC TV series Legends of Tomorrow as Hawk Girl. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on here before. Anyway. Um, Sierra singing a brand new song of mine. Spoiler alert, it's a little jazzy. And uh, there's tons of, I think there's like 15 songs are being premiered that night. Lots of cool people that I know and love are contributing as writers, performers. Um, I'm going to be there. It's going to be super fun. All the ticket sales uh, go, the proceeds go to benefit a foundation called uh, Songs for Sophia. And um, yeah, so that's it. So just... So just come come on down to 54 Below, hear some songs, good old-fashioned, um, good old-fashioned charitable concert. Uh, Sierra Renee, uh, let me see. So I'm going to get you over to my interview with Lissandra in a second. Uh, let's see, what else is I going to tell you? That about does it. So you're going to get the interview, you're going to get Better Than Fine, you're going to get... Ballad of the Cluck Cluck Sisters. I'm gonna see you all at the concert. The album is happening. Crazy Pants, Paris. So grateful um, to that whole cast. Uh, I, w- I would butcher their last names if I tried, but uh, but special thanks to Lissandro for arranging and leading the whole thing. Um, such a champion of new work and musical theater and collaboration across borders. Um, really, really cool guy. I'm going to let you go. Enjoy the interview. Enjoy the songs. I will see you out there in the real world and on social media. And I look forward to seeing you next time for episode 413, which will be in a couple of weeks. So from my apartment in Inwood, this is Joel B. New saying thank you for dropping by for something new. And without further ado, here is my interview with Lissandro Nassis, who is the artistic director for Broadway Au Carré, which is a monthly series of concerts and open mics of American musical theater uh, that takes place at the Comédie Nation in Paris, France. I am sitting here in the living room of today's guest artist, which is my friend, Lissandro Nassis. How's it going, Lissandro? Great, Joel. Thank, 
Think, Hi, how are you doing? I'm You're doing in Paris. Great. I'm in Paris. You're in Paris. We're, We're in, in Paris. Paris. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. How are you? Great. Great preparing for tonight's show. I know. By a great composer. Oh, anyone I know? Yep. Yeah. Yourself. What? Crazy. Um, it's so cool to get to sit down and talk to you while we're, you know, running around like crazy people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> getting ready, getting all the stuff yes, ready for tonight. Let's take five, let's do an interview. Let's just hang out. <laughs> let's hang out. Why not? We have time. Why not? <laughs> so I wanted to sit down and talk to you because you are the epitome of the type of guest I have on my show, which is someone who is a performing artist but has found other passions uh, related to the arts, and you feel just as passionate about those. Yep. And so, so like, tell me a little bit about where you're from, because you're not from France. No, I was actually born in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and I lived there until I turned 20, mm-hmm. and then I came to France to study Baroque music, 17th century music, which is my, my first... Uh, passion and my first like specialty and so I've been I've stayed in France ever since I've been touring the world doing baroque operas and then at the same time uh, I have a lot of I was actually born in Argentina but half my family is Italian I actually have Italian citizenship and part of my family lives in the States so I've been to New York and Massachusetts so many times so I keep like traveling around and then I settled in France I settled down in France and I've been in Lyon for 12 years and now in Paris wow so quite a mix that um, is, yeah yeah and a few years back I discovered musical theater and how did that come about uh, I was visiting a, a good old friend from high school who was living in New York and and he took me to see Wicked and I was like what is this I saw people there on stage having so much fun, and I was like, why am I doing opera all the time? I should do some of that. Are Baroque operas pretty serious? Uh, I mean, it's not it's always serious, but it's a whole different environment, and, like, I guess the mood is different, too. Like, people are not the same. The, the, the material is not as fun, even though it's gorgeous and, and, and it's lovely to sing and act. It's not as... I would say... The acting is not as direct. It's always more stylized in a way because it's you know, it it belongs to a different time. Yeah. Too. So, uh, so yeah. So I started. I don't know how to say that. I started branching out and doing both at the same time, and now I I spend my time juggling between those two things and and uh, trying to 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 make American musical theater exist in Paris as well. Wow. So what yeah. kind of what kind of training is there in France for um, and you keep saying American musical theater like is that it's very different from French musical theater first of all yeah there is a tradition of French musical theater though it's not as anchored in people's lives I guess uh-huh. in the artist's general uh, way of learning their craft so there are several musical theater schools in France but they focus of course more more on the French musical theater, which is another kind of musical theater show, I, I would say, more more into the spectacle of it and a little bit, hmm. you know, it's it's quite different than than Broadway and off Broadway. And then you have a couple structures that 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 are trying to do American musical theater, usually translated into French, and some of us are trying to do it 
in English, like the French people will go to the movies and see a subtitled show in its original language. They will go see a, an American movie in English with French subtitles. And I believe that that's what should be happening in, in the theater as well, that people should see, especially musical theater, there's so much into the sound of the language mm -hmm. that I believe that when you translate and adapt too much, you lose part of the original Sure, piece. sure. Not that it's a bad thing. I mean, there are yeah. musicals that have been translated in 40 languages, and it's right. amazing. But there's always something you lost in translation. Especially because, like, <laughs> you know, musical theater has so many intricate rhymes, or it can. Like, Absolutely. Little, like, internal rhymes. And so if you translate the rhymes as well, like, I can't imagine that the meaning and the rhymes translate together. You usually don't get both. You okay. have really great people here uh, that do translation and adaptation and they will sometimes prefer to keep a more literal translation, sometimes prefer to keep more of the, the play with words and sounds and the internal rhymes, etc. So it will depend. It's usually, if you translate back into English, it's rarely the same thing as it was in the original. Right. So, so the meaning tends to change a little bit as well. Sometimes expressions do not translate the exact same way, so you will use an equivalent colloquial expression that means something that you would say differently in English. But but the idea behind it would be the same. When I was promoting for this tonight's concert, I would use Google Translate to help me. Yep. And then sometimes when I would post it, Facebook would automatically translate it back to me in English. And it wasn't the same. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no. Of course. Actually, there are some really, really cool songs, especially musical theater, that are done through a series of Google Translates. Have you ever seen those videos? No. Oh, you have to go on YouTube. I will. You, they, like, take, uh, they, like, take, I don't know, something from Wicked, and they'll translate it into another language, and then back to English, and then again, and then again. And then, Until... in the end, you, they just perform it again with the English translation that came back from a series of translations and <laughs> and it's like I don't know when I see the magician so now you're balancing the world of performing and working in baroque opera and a musical theater yep and both as a performer and mm -hmm. and I I like to wear many hats so I direct a lot in musical theater and, and baroque I music direct I produce so I, I launched this this series that you're being a part of tonight yeah. that's called Broadway Au Carré our concert tonight is the 26th installment of this series over three seasons wow we've done 26 cons it's a it's a monthly evening of concert and open mic of American Musical Theater yeah so you get like a cabaret concert with a featured performer or composer during the first half and then an open mic where anyone from the musical theater world here or not can come and get on stage and sing. So we started this in the basement of a bar that was that was a concert venue uh, in the in the south in the 15th arrondissement of Paris in the south uh, three years back. And then we transferred into a bigger theater, a proper theater that's a hundred seats, where we're going to perform tonight yeah. in central Paris. And it's been growing a lot. We did so each month we have an evening that's the cabaret concert followed by the open mic with different co-hosts and and different people coming over. We I think we had around fifteen composers 
who flew themselves here from New York and from Orlando and from other cities. Then we we also went there with the French team. We went to New York already twice. We performed two years ago. Uh, we did our first concert at the Duplex, and then we also we were also guests at Broadway Sessions at the Lori Beachman Theater. And then our bigger, bigger, biggest thing, I think our biggest accomplishment with Broadway Au Carré was last November when we did the first ever French-produced show at 54 Below. That's awesome. You were sold out, right? Yeah, we, we even sold out, which That's was crazy. incredible. Yes. We thought, no, yeah. who's going to come see us? Like, and it was like a mix of... Uh, my, my goal is to bring countries together through music. And, and I believe we're building an intercontinental bridge over the Atlantic. I think so. Between I'm the, here. The two cities <laughs> that never sleep, yeah. Paris and New York. <laughs> you guys really never sleep. I don't know. I would say we sleep way more than you do. Really? Your oh, yeah. Son, you have son, metros all night. Your sun never sets. It feels like... It's true. Our sun never sets, but your subway never stops. That, that's true. So, <laughs> so somewhere in the middle, we have the perfect city. Exactly. And I like the mix of both of them. Yeah. So, yeah. So this musical theater is my, my medium to actually put this two cultures together, bring them together... And so the, the concert of Fifth Below, we had 10 American composers, nine performers coming from Paris, most of them French, but we also had like Swiss and American and British like expats as well. And then we had six Broadway guests. Like it was like a mix of, of amazing great. people. And, and there were specific moments where we went like, it's incredible that this is happening. One of those was we did a duet of Ordinary Days by Adam Guan. Mm-hmm. With a member of the original New York cast, uh, Kate Weatherhead, mm-hmm. and myself, who who was doing uh, Warren in the original French cast a year ago. So, and the composer was playing, and we were like, it's like like you know, original New York cast, original French cast, brought together to do a duet of a show that we all love with a composer playing. It was like you know, sort of insane. That's really special. Yeah, it was very very special, and. And we decided that we we're going to try and do a for below concert every year, or somewhere else. But at, at least going yeah. to New York once a year and keep bringing the composers here. And this season, I started to like even think about more ways to 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 to, to you know to uh, hone in and fine tune this collaboration between the two countries. And I thought, why not start creating songs that are. Uh, done, written exclusively or especially at least for the purposes of this collaboration. So I reached out to Bill Coyne who runs Musematch mm-hmm. in New York and we launched a sort of international branch of Musematch, meaning that American composers are now writing every month for French-based performers. Yeah. Like you yourself are yeah. world premiering one song yeah, tonight. Yeah, brand new song tonight that's never been heard. And ever. I hope people will hear it probably and and this podcast our next one and yeah. <laughs> and and it's it's a subject matter that we all love and we'll think about every day right it's a very very serious subject matter um yeah that i think just needs needs its time on stage absolutely should we say what it is or should we let people <laughs> guess <laughs> we'll just let them guess <laughs> and <laughs> we'll just let you guess guys but but um I would just tell you that it is very, very funny. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. That's very nice to hear. And that it all came out of 
one of our performers, the French performer's dream. Yeah. She had a nightmare when she As was a like, child, like a yeah. recurring nightmare. And um, you wrote it and Bill, as a song. Yeah, because like, like Bill Coyne gives us, I think, four or five questions that we are to sit down with yeah. our muse. And, um, and from those conversations usually comes at least one song idea. And I like to throw into the mix of those questions, um, like... Are there any dreams you ever had in your life? I think that was actually yeah. one of my questions that I added was on it? your list. Yeah, because I love I love the dreams. I, quite I, I, I have a show that's based on a dream, and I love. I think that's really. Um, I, I think that's where so much of our you know weird humanity lives. Absolutely. And so when she told me the story of the her childhood dream, I was like, well, that's the song. You know, like, there was <laughs> no contest at that. Point. I know, and the two the two girls went like, oh god. That's right. That's right. Careful what you say out loud. Can you come listen? Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so you said we a lot. Who who do you consider your Broadway okay, oh, uh, collective? Um, Is that a do so? I don't. I wouldn't company? say it's a, like a collective. It's sort of a company now. It started as being just a sort of festival, like a venue, and a, and not really a venue, but like it started being mm-hmm. a recurring event, and it sort of turned into a company. I. I pretty much run I'm the artistic director but I have people that work with me a lot my right arm and resident music director John Florencio my directors uh, we have Amanda Bester Siegel who's from New York but lives here and Colton Pometa who's my my director and co-producer from New York who, who directed here uh, Island Song of McCarter and Gregor's Island Song, Adam Gold's Ordinary Days, and who directed also our, our show at 54 Below. So he's, he comes uh, over to Paris uh, a couple times a year to, to work with us. And there's like a lot of actors that have been doing many of these of these shows so that I consider them sort of my team. And now the whole team at Comédie Nation, the venue where we're, where we're in residency since... Um, like now we're finishing our third season and we started... So we started doing some fully staged shows there last year, and then since last September, we actually moved there. We transferred into the theater once a month. So the whole team there is also part of this. So yeah, there's there's a lot of that. And, and because we have this relationship with the theater now, we can go even further. I don't know if you heard about An American in Paris. That's probably still running it in, is, in yeah. New York. <clears throat> so that show was originated here in France. Mm-hmm. So they sort of did like you know the workshop and showcases and then the previews here and then and then they transferred to to New York sort of a out of town tryouts yeah very out of town. and I was like why can't we do that with off Broadway theater so I now because I, I I can rehearse in this venue and perform there I talked to them and we're launching something new that's oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> which is trying to do the first workshop and showcase of new musicals imagine like a 29 hour equity reading just that we don't have equity here so it's not 29 hours and you don't need a card so you basically get the the composer the performers the directors in the room for like a week uh, and like rehearse a lot and put together a new show and we're launching that at the end of the month with a new york based composer adam over it who's mm-hmm. Just sent us a new script yesterday for for the new show he just finished writing, and we're putting it together in Paris at the end of the month. We have two performances uh, uh, on the seventh and eighth of July, and then we're going to do a concert in London. So yeah, it's terrific. Yeah, 
Yeah, we're that's really, very happy. Really I think that's a good thing to be able to 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 help develop American musicals here in Paris. Mm -hmm. That's like a dream come true because it's a win-win for everyone. The composers Absolutely. get to hear their stuff and to rewrite, etc., and develop, and we get to be a part of a development stage of a musical that we very rarely see in France. We see it with big French musicals, but right. it's not exactly the same thing. So yeah, so we're very excited about all of all of this that it's is happening right so now. So crazy and so exciting. Like on, on behalf of all American musical theater composers, I want to thank you. Thank you for this thing because it's not it's not it's it's no small thing. I think all you know any American composer who wants to get their work out there and has self produced a concert or self produced a reading or whatever, you know we know the investment both in time and in money and also in like your heart and i think yeah. um you know like paris like broadway opera has all of those like ha, ha, seems you. is very seems is very generous with all of those things like i've never i don't feel the rush here i feel the pressure but i don't feel the rush you, does that yeah we have like high quality standards but at the same time we're willing to put in the time and effort to and get work there to get there yeah yeah, yeah. exactly it's really really impressive Thank you. I'm excited for people to see the concert and yay, me too. See some videos later and tell all of your songwriter friends back in New York to 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 get in touch with us. There's a Facebook page, mm -hmm. Broadway Au Carré. Yes, C A R R E. And that means square. That means squared. It's like Broadway squared. It, it's a play with words because we used to to be at the Carré Parisien at the Parisian Square. That was our venue mm -hmm. when we opened, and it's also like it's Broadway times Broadway because it's. Concert and open mic. So it's like ah. a, a big sort of... You know, something you couldn't do in New York. In New York, people will either go see a concert or a show or an open mic. But here, because the culture is a bit different, yeah. you can like pack everything yeah. into a very long evening <laughs> that we have ahead of us tonight. But, and you know, have lots of fun with that. And and yeah, so I was saying, tell your songwriter friends to, to reach out to us because we uh, that's actually something that's been warming my heart over the past few months is that when we started we would go you know I would reach out to my friends who were who songwriters in the states and friends of my friends and ask them to be a part of this and and for a few months we've been receiving emails from from songwriters who've heard of us word of mouth in New York hey I want my music to be done in Europe and I heard you're doing this in Paris and it's you know it's so cool because you you, you realize that there's such a potential for collaboration mm -hmm. and and without I guess the good thing about doing that in Paris is that there's not we don't really have the business side so much mm -hmm. we're not mm -hmm. like money is a different thing usually people will be earning money some another way or we have this big protection system that's called the intermittence du spectacle so that the the um, a system that protects artists you have you know, benefits stuff and other things that help you give your spare time to fully um, focus on, on a show or on something that you care about. And, and that may or may not be able to pay your bills. Exactly. That's what I yeah. mean. So, yeah. so it's not about, it's different seeing how, because I, I've been a part of several readings in New York, mm -hmm. seeing how much readings tend to be like, a, a source of worry sometimes about money and uh, you know all the preparation and, and, and the investment and when composers come here they're like 
this is so relaxed. People are here because they really want to be mm-hmm. doing this. They're not just like running from one thing to the yeah, other. Yeah, and it's not like <coughs> I really need to pay the bills. Everyone does. Yeah. But it's, I don't know, I think the system is a bit different and the state helps, which is not the case necessarily in the, in the U.S. No. So, you know, in, in a way, we can get away with much more in terms of what we ask of our casts and what they are willing to give. And and, and I think you said it before, it's all about the heart, uh, uh, which takes me to the first mismatch collaboration we had, which was last month with with Dana Levinson. Yeah, I love her. She's amazing. And she wrote this song, especially for our featured performer of the month, uh, Marlon Thais, who was Belle in Beauty and the Beast here and everything. And she wrote this song that's called When You Have Heart. And Aww. loveliest song. And it's all... It's all about what we are about, so... It's perfect. So, this is... Hi, Dana. Hi, Dana. <laughs> and then here I come with my with the second Muse Match song, and it's... And you talk about... <laughs> something else. <laughs> Not the heart. Let's just say there will be a lot of clucking tonight. Lots of clucking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cluck it, as we say. Yeah, we say, cluck it. <laughs> cluck it. Um, so, <laughs> in addition to running Broadway Ojale and hosting the concerts and wearing all of those hats like you're still like you also perform as part of the the ensemble yeah, yeah. yeah so how i'm curious how does your experience as a performer um inform how you produce and like does that make you a better producer mm. and why you would have to ask the others if it makes me a better producer <laughs> i i well, what has being know, an actor taught you well first of all i need i know the actor's needs so I know how to uh, see that ahead mm-hmm. you know and, and, and so there are no problems the day of the shows right. uh, there are a lot of things I can take into account in terms of like scheduling or organizing I, I'm i very good at casting I usually uh, I I am usually uh, hired as a casting director for different shows and, and when it comes to Bordeaux Carré I usually know because I'm an actor which song to give to which performer Mm -hmm. so that really helps because people feel valued and they feel that their their strengths are are being featured and showcased and and that's also why they keep coming back Uh, even (laughs) even though there's almost no money in it it's like there's um, there's a passion and also and also like a high quality standard like everyone knows they have to give book and they have to know their stuff which doesn't happen in every concert of musical theater no very, I would say very theater. few of my concerts is my group of singers consistently off book so this is yeah I think I think everyone's off book from beginning to end tonight actually, <coughs> which is so. kind of crazy which is amazing yeah, yeah. and, and at, especially because we have such a little time to rehearse of course because you know composers like you you're coming in here for a week yeah. Not for like uh, a month, and and it's also a, um, a tongue that's not our mother tongue language. So there's a lot of diction work as well yes. that we consistently do. But back to your original question, I believe it's important to be sensitive of and, and just knowledgeable about what people need in order to produce well. And mm-hmm. I think being an actor yourself, you know what an actor. Will will you know? Will need to to make his or her best work. I guess that would yeah. be my answer. And then on the opposite side, as a producer, how has that 
has that made you a better performer, do you think? I don't know. Sometimes I, when I get on stage to start performing and I'm still thinking about someone lights an organization, I'm like, stop it. No, yeah. no, you need to be You have to be present. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes it's, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it doesn't. It really, there's really a mix, I would say. Um, I don't create this as opportunities for myself. I will perform in it because I'm a performer first. I always say I'm not a producer, but a performer who produces. Yeah. Because there are not enough producers of, in musical theater here in Europe, especially in France. So I believe that performers have taken up producing because it's the only way to, you know, to keep creating things and opportunities. But I usually think of creating a specific show with a specific performer or composer. And if there happens to be something that that I can perform in it, great, but I, it's not like my goal. That's not the goal, yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's not, yeah, because that, that exists a lot, of course, you know, uh, and it's totally okay. I mean, I have chosen to, to produce uh, uh, shows because I really love the part I wanted to be in, and it has happened, it happens to every every performer slash producer in the of world. Of course, of course. But, but I don't think that should be um, the line that directs where you're going, otherwise it's very, very self-centered and it's not what I believe in. Um, however, I will believe a lot in getting a performer, a special performer whose talent I recognize and and giving them opportunities and, and building around them. We have like a rising star every year, uh, a young talent. Uh, this time is someone who's performing your show, Lily, Lily Queroz, who's just turned 19. It's and crazy. She's yeah, so good. She's unbelievably talented. They're all really good. It's and just... she was this, the only European performer in the last uh, Karnan Gregor's Barely Legal show to an extravaganza at the Poisson Rouge last summer. And since then, I hired her in like five or six shows because I thought I will give her a consistent presence throughout the season as the rising star of the season, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think in that sense, it's good to, to, to focus around the performer in every other sense, it depends on the material. I okay. will not. I will. I have like, I don't know maybe ten performers I usually work with, but it will all depend on whether the the, the songs are more legit or more uh, or more pop rock based or jazzier. You know, you, you have all sorts of of performer types tonight in your concert yeah, because your music is so diverse. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. It's true, and it's gonna sound awesome. I'm really, I'm really, I'm really excited <laughs> about tonight. But yeah. Uh, Apart from that, I think you do learn a lot about how to, when you produce, you do learn a lot about when you're not producing, the stuff that you need to not be thinking about, <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're performing and only performing, mm-hmm. and you recognize the problems that come from producing, and, and you can like put that aside and say, this time it's not my problem. Yeah. It's really hard, but you get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, it does, it does. You, you do learn a lot and you meet so many new and amazing incredible people that as a performer we, you meet people all the time and it's great but when you're more than producing like hosting re, like receiving people welcoming people in Paris to, to create new things every month mm-hmm. it's like producing a different show every month it's different performers different composers uh, you know different directors it's, it's great because you get to know all these ways of doing things and also because usually we share an apartment, like you're staying with me. I know, I know. This has been awesome. We've been staying in the, the 
is it like the tallest building in, in Banyo Lane? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> We're right outside of Fires and it's like the tallest building in, in, in Oh, but the, town. View, the view is beautiful. You yeah, should take a picture and post it as a comment to, uh, uh, to your podcast. I will, I will. Look for the photo, <laughs> you guys. It's a stunning view. Yeah, I'm getting to stay here and getting to like live with you and like basically live with the concert. Yeah, um, sort of. It's, it's Which pre- you never get to do in the States. You don't get to do because everyone's running off doing their own things and thinking I've about- noticed how usually like after rehearsal in the States, people will just, especially in New York, people just like go home or go to go do something else mm-hmm. and here people are like let's get a drink let's take a two hour lunch so we can talk about our lives yeah <laughs> <laughs> I have one more question and then I'm yep. gonna let us both go we've <laughs> got stuff to do yep um, do you have if there's anyone listening who is thinking about starting their own type of like Broadway Ocare or some kind of community for their fellow artists and they mm. like they, they want to bring people together um, what's what do you have any advice for them? Just like one piece of advice. Yep. Um, first thing would be to to figure out your concept, what you really want to do, uh, whether you want to do a concert series or an open mic series or a concert and open mic series or or shows or just to create a company or like you need to figure out what you really want to do. Give your 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 series if like or your initiative to say it that way. Uh, an identity that's very clear and that will uh, federate people around it and then you need to decide I would say one of the toughest things is deciding whether you want it to be a collective or whether you want to be doing all the work yourself uh, are you going to be working with people who who pitch in or or are you going to like create a sort of board uh, to run things it's, it's very important to have you know because we'll do trial and error about the, around those things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great to just start something, which we often do. But I would say if you want your project to to live on, to have several seasons, and to you know keep growing, you do need to really figure out your your concept, your goals, and the structure you wanna you wanna have in order to accomplish them at the start. And then some things will, will keep coming and some things will change and the people will change. But but if you know uh, where you want to put all your efforts, then it's much easier giving it all your heart and soul because you're, you know where you're going in a way. And then things tend to fall into place usually. And I hope we yeah. now our next concert is in New York. Uh, yeah. Just let me know, and I'll let my people know, and we'll... And we'll let our people know, and then, <laughs> and then all they'll let their the people, people know. know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we'll Facebook about it, and we'll tweet about it, and... You will tweet like, about it, and I will Facebook tweet, yes, about it. Yeah, yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> we don't have the same social media. That's so work. interesting. That's so yeah. fun. Like, yeah. That's so funny. Like, yeah. the, London and New York work so much with Twitter, and here, we tend, tend to have long thoughts, as you might... Probably have noticed by my ongoing sentences uh, is that like 140 characters. It's not enough to to, to to express a thought here. So like no one uses Twitter, not much. That's really funny. That's really funny. I thought I was long winded, but <laughs> you thought so. Only your patter songs. Only my patter songs, which yeah. you can hear tonight. Yes. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, um, from Lissandro's apartment in France, this is Jewel B. New. And Lissandro Nessis. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new. Thank you.
the spring afternoon. Apart from that, I'm drawing a blank. It was almost five o'clock. We'd be closing up soon at the Oklahoma Heritage Bank. Strutted right through the door, and here is where the plot quickly thickens. Despite the dark sunglasses and Burberry trench coats they wore, we could tell there were chickens. I said next in line, and I waved my hand. So grateful the work week was over and done. Then one of the chickens said something we didn't understand, and the other chicken pulled out. just a matter of time. The eldest sister's name was Virginia Cluck. The younger sister's name was Sue. It was said by far Virginia had most of the pluck and was the fowler of the two. There was clearly a